This is The Real Magic Podcast. Learn about great design and use it to get great results. Now your hosts, Greg Merrilies and Alan Nunez. Hello, listener, and thank you for joining Alan and I today for The Real Magic Design Podcast, where we unpack our experience to help designers and business owners understand how to create amazing designs and work together to make design that is profitable. I'm Greg from Studio One Design, and here's my co-host, Alan, from Pixel Partners HQ. How are you, Al? Thanks, Greg, mate. I'm awesome. Today, very exciting episode. We have uh, Fiona from Super Savvy Business here to untangle the mess of content marketing for businesses she's got some awesome strategies and tactics that you can you can listen to this episode and you'll be able to walk away and implement if you want to get your content marketing right and she definitely takes away a lot of those fears and anxieties and questions that most businesses small or large have when it comes to trying to work out their content marketing what do you reckon greg should we get it get her in here now yeah absolutely let's do it so fiona it is so awesome to have you here on the real magic podcast welcome thank you and i'm very excited to be here to chat to both of you g'day fiona awesome to have you here it's actually been a while since you and i have chatted so i'm really excited to have you on the show Yes, been a few years, but uh, we all, all sort of seem to all bump into each other one way or another, don't we? We do indeed. So I've only just met Fiona recently, like as in a few weeks ago when I was in Sydney, and you guys, and I thought, I'm going to get this new guest on, and Al's going to be all, you know, excited about this new guest, and you guys have known each other for years. Yeah, it's a small world, this industry, Greg. Absolutely, yeah. All right, we've been in this um, marketing, online marketing space for, for quite a few years, all of us. So um, this topic is all about the top five content marketing challenges in 2017. And we know, we know Fiona's an expert in this space, like we mentioned in the intro. So yeah, Fee, tell us a little bit about content marketing. Content marketing is all about getting out valuable content out into the web, whether it be through blogs, social media, and it's a really great way of driving leads and traffic to your business. And a lot of businesses have troubles these days getting their content marketing strategies up in place. And so today I really want to talk about what those top five challenges are and what you can do about them. I was just going to say I love that because, you know, there's a lot of noise these days that everybody understands that content marketing is important. If they don't, they're living under a rock. But the point is there are a lot of just, there's so much content out there. It's like, how do you know which stuff is good and which stuff's not? And I do see a lot of bad stuff out there and just Mm. what I call noise. So hopefully we can sort of clarify on this on this podcast how we can get people to get better results with their content marketing yeah and i think you know the the thing is too there's a huge amount of fear for a lot of business owners around content marketing where do i start what do i do you know like Mm. and often they try and it's to them focused it's not about delivering quality information to yeah, their current customers and also, you know, prospective customers. So I think this is a really relevant topic and I'm, I'm so happy to have Fiona on the on the episode today to, to actually chat through it with us. So, so we've got the top five challenges, Fiona. What would you say the number one challenge is? Look, one of the very first things I'd like to touch on is that most businesses are flying blind. They don't have a content marketing strategy or, or a master editorial calendar to drive the content creation process. So, mm-hmm. you know, they might be creating a little bit of content here and a little bit of content there, but they don't have a clear idea in their minds of what they're wanting to achieve and, and what their actual overall strategy looks like. 
And that's that's a huge problem, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that's the thing. It's it's not congruent and you just say little bits here and there and it's just messy, you know, and it doesn't yeah. make me engage with them. And look, and if you if you are engaging professionals to help you with this too, having a plan and having a cohesive strategy allows you to write content around that strategy, knowing what's coming, design around what's coming. I mean, we did this on the last episode, Greg. We were just talking about being cohesive and, and making it all tie together as your as your brand and telling a story. Yeah, exactly. And this and this is the issue. If it's if it's no plan, then you've you've got a disjointed message and poor results, and eventually people will just give up and say, well, you know, there's, there's no no point doing it. And if you're going to invest the time and energy into creating content, you want to be getting return on your investment. So having that plan in place is absolutely crucial. It's got to be one of the first things you do before you invest anything in it. So what do you put in that plan? Look, I think the first thing to put in a plan is your business case for innovating with content marketing. And by mm. the communicating your reasons for creating content, the risks involved and your vision of what your success will look like, you're much more likely to get executive support from, from higher up in the business and also to get permission to make a mistake here and there and figure out what works best for your business. So once you've made that business case, then you've got to put together your plan for content marketing. And that covers the goals for your content program, the unique value you're looking to provide through your content and the details of the model. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I love what you say, you know, get permission to make some mistakes. I mean, it is a learning curve and you've got to work out what your audience wants to hear. So the feedback is is critical. And look, even if you're not part of a bigger business, if you're a solopreneur, it's okay to put yourself out there and maybe get it wrong once or twice, but learn from that and iterate and make it better based on your plan and your strategy. Exactly, Alan, because there are going to be obstacles along the way, but there's uh, with those obstacles, you're going to discover the opportunities as well. So it's, it's important not to be afraid of making those mistakes because you can learn where the opportunities lie. And, and so do you have to put your personality out there or is it more the brand's personality? First of all, it's important to be putting out there, uh, thinking of your the persona of the person that you're wanting, the people that you're trying to communicate with. So that's that's I think it's first of all be focused on your, not yourself, but who you're trying to engage with and have a conversation with. And I think that's the big mistake a lot of people make is they're so focused on me, 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 and look at me. And people get bored of that. They don't want to hear about that. What they're looking to see is brands that are wanting to engage with them as a person and what their their problems are and what their interests are. So the the strategy should be very clear on who your person, the buying persona is or your avatar, so to speak, and, and have a very clear focus on that. Yeah, and put the focus on them and make them the hero. It's not about you. It's about what you can do for them, right? Exactly. That's so that's so true. But saying that, I mean, you, you said, you know, do we talk about your, your company and your brand or do you, you know, or you're the, the people you're trying mm. to talk to? At the same time, it's important to have a very clear story about your brand and for your brand to be represented in a way that people want to, to connect with you. So it, that's also got to be very clear in your strategy as well. Look, I think this this comes up over and over in all our design conversations, you know, and, and you can see how it applies to content marketing as well. And, and re really design is a big part of content marketing, but is know your brand's story, know your perfect 
customer. I mean, I think we've said it over and over, and the reality is if you can't do it, you reach out to a professional to help you do it because I think there's more businesses out there than care to admit that maybe don't have that clarity on their their perfect customer or their brand story. That's exactly right. And it can take, it's not something that you can just, you know, spend five minutes thinking about. It takes a lot of time to delve into it and to really think about it so that you can get that right. Because otherwise the messaging of your content is just going to hit a a desert, so to speak. And do you have to have a slightly different strategy, uh, you know, a plan from the start, depending on the size of your business? Do you approach it differently? Uh, look, yes and no. The, the basics are still the same, regardless of whether you're a, a one-man band or whether you are, are a larger business with, with a big marketing department. I think the essentials still stay stay the same. So, yep, just get that plan right from the start. Nice, nice. So, so that pretty much covers that first challenge, which is, you know, uh, lack of having some clear direction on what you're going to create, where it's going to go, and how you might, you know, increase the results by having focus. So what's the next big challenge that you find businesses have? Before we pop onto that one, though, Alan, just just get stepping back into the strategy is also just having that plan as far as some sort of editorial calendar, because a lot of people don't have that either. The amount of businesses that I go and, and work with, I say, so where's your, where's your editorial calendar or your marketing? marketing calendar and they just look at me blankly so <laughs> I think you know it, it's really essential at, you know for the, the whole team to sit down and have a look at what the overall business goals are what are your sales goals what are you wanting to achieve and how can we weave the marketing and specifically the content marketing into that so that it's all supporting the overall goals of the organization so you know there should be some sort of 12 month overview and then with your editorial calendar it's a really good idea to sort of work in quarters um this sort of three month period as well so just keep in mind that as well as that strategy have those those content calendars running as well and do you have goals for each quarter for instance like you break it down quarterly definitely yeah and, and measure that along the way and we'll talk about that a little bit later on today yeah nice cool and do you have any tips of tools that people can use to to put a content calendar together I'm a big fan of Google Drive only because of its ability to collaborate. Uh, so, for example, you know, if you've got all your working documents, so, you know, your blogs or your, your social and your graphics all in Google Drive and then you keep your content calendar also in Drive and then you just place the link to the relevant documents in the, the actual planning document. So when it comes time for uploading to your WordPress site or to your scheduling tool, then it's all in one place. You don't have to keep flicking from one place to the next. There's no uploading and downloading. It's just all in the, all together nice and neat for you. Yeah, which is cool. And then you can collaborate with your team or even with clients as well and everything's exactly. in that one place. Yeah. yeah. Killer, killer tip. Cool. So what's challenge two? Knowing how to represent your brand in the native context of social platforms. And this is a really big one <laughs> because what I find is uh, a lot of companies, they might they, they say, so if you've got any sort of brand and style guides and they say, say, yes, yes, we do. And then they pass me this two or three page document, which shows <laughs> the logo and how to use the fonts that relate to the logo so that you can make business cards and letterheads. 
And in the digital world, that doesn't really translate to anything useful. <laughs> so yeah. one of the first things I think businesses need to do if they're, they're wanting to be effective in co their content marketing strategy is really build out that tone messaging brand style guide so that it takes into consideration how you're going to look and feel in the digital space, specifically in, in social. So, for example, let's say we've got a, a logo that's got red and black and white in it and we want to translate that brand into social media we've got to think about well are red and black is that really going to be visually appealing in, in the long mm. run or do we need to extend the color palette so that it's got more interest we've got more to, room to play with and do we need to really stick to just the corporate fonts or can we have some more relaxed hand style fonts for example if we're creating quotes as graphics so there's a lot of things to consider with this. So apart from the obvious things like having, you know, your writing guidelines, which cover grammar, punctuation, the tone and the voice and messaging, I think the, the style guide needs to uncover the social graphics, fonts, templates, you know, the types of images that are going to be used, for example, because that says a lot about your brand. Yeah, this is so cool. I love hearing all this because, yeah, I mean, a style guide should be more than just a style guide for your logo and your colors and your fonts. <laughs> it needs to, yeah, like you said, be the essence of your entire brand. And obviously, when you're posting on social media, it shouldn't, you shouldn't look like, you know, a salesperson. It's got to be fun and interactive and resonate with yeah. your, your target audience. It's, it shouldn't be salesy at all. That's right. And I think, you know, let's say, for example, if you're an accountant or, you know, something, you know, in, in that sort of professional industry, yes, you want to be seen as professional and, and knowing what you're doing, but at the same time, you want to be personable and you want people to feel like they can relate to you and your, your business or your brand. So, you know, it's a fine art to to working out how you're going to sort of create graphics and messages within the social platform that are not going to be boring. Yeah, look, I find it absolutely infuriating that people think their brand is just their logo and the colours that they use, you know. Mm. Imagery, the way you write, the way you communicate, whether it be verbally, on social media, how you answer the phone, all of this stuff is part of that brand essence. And in context of what Fiona's talking about, knowing that at the beginning helps you make strategic and tactical decisions through the process to have this cohesive message that not only you can be proud of but your prospects and your customers are really going to appreciate and enjoy exactly because when you think about it the whole purpose of of having a content strategy especially you know if we're looking at the social platforms is you want people to engage with you to comment to share and if they're looking at, at content which is not appealing then they're not going to even stop to look at it so you've got to find that that perfect way of representing your brand in a way that people are going to say, oh, that's cool, I might share that, or that I want to sort of answer or comment on that particular post. So it's really important to go beyond those, those brand standard brand guidelines. The only other thing that I wanted to touch on when it comes to representing your brand is, is also to think about the native elements of the different social platforms. So, of course, you've got Facebook, you've got Pinterest, you've got Instagram, Snapchat, for example, and they all have their own native style and the type of different types of content that people like to engage with on that. So, when you're putting together your style guide, it's also important to think about how you're going to represent your brand on the different platforms that's native to that particular audience. 
um, because you don't want it coming across as sort of being out of place. And that can be simple things like thinking about the dimensions of your graphics to mm-hmm. are you going to use emoticons? So, for example, if you're on Instagram, emoticons are the thing. Like if people like to see the, the messaging with lots of emoticons, whereas you probably don't do that on Twitter or less less likely on, on Facebook. So it's important to think about these things ahead of time so that you really are going to connect with the people who are on that platform. Yeah, and even if you're talking video as well, there's a certain time that you can have on Instagram, right? Like how, how long is the video for Instagram? It's, I think it's 60 seconds at the moment. Yeah, okay, okay, which is obviously there's a limit on it, and that's the point. So it needs to suit that limited time, whereas on Facebook it could be you know, a lot longer really indefinitely exactly yes although it's important to always always look at your um, insights to see how long people are watching because you'll get you'll get a very good idea on, on what your audience is prepared to watch before they switch off okay and yeah so the point there is you've got to treat each platform differently depending on the actual platform uh, are there any particular platforms that businesses really should not avoid these days look I, I think it's hilarious when people say to me I'm not going to use Facebook because my audience <laughs> isn't on Facebook well I, I, I beg to differ I think there's it's a very very rare case there that you would find that because at the end of the day we're not when you, we've got to remember that our audience, even if you're business to business, they're still people and they've still got social lives. And so most likely, even though they're not necessarily on Facebook to think about or do business, they're still on Facebook. So, you know, I think Facebook is a no-brainer for pretty much any business. And I th- from there, I mean, it, it really is depends on the audience and the industry that you're in. But I mean, some of some businesses very much lead themselves towards Pinterest and Instagram, for example, because visual, they're very yep. visual based. And then Snapchat, um, you know, we've, we've all seen over the last few years that, um, you know, more and more businesses are doing extremely well promoting on Snapchat, because that's where you can be really raw and authentic. And it's, it's not the pre prepared stuff. It's just when you are sort of being real. And I think consumers like to see the real people behind the businesses awesome yeah absolutely yeah you know think about where it's going i mean i get this all the time with image selection you know people send me something that just absolutely will not fit in a particular structure for 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 a social media output you know so really putting some thought into that is is unbelievably important yeah. And I think also the other thing is there, you know, maybe four or five years ago, you used to create one piece of content and push it out exactly the same to every, to every single platform in exactly the same format. And, and those days are definitely gone. So, you know, if, if, if that was something you were doing four or five years ago and you're still doing it, it's really time to rethink and um, to, 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 to consider the different platforms and how you're going to engage differently. Cool. And what's uh, challenge number three? Uh, this is a big one. <laughs> this is public, publishing ex- engaging content on a consistent basis. Now, I think I'm a big fan of Content Marketing Institute and I read all of their reports and their benchmarking reports. And I was looking through a couple of months ago and since 2010, this has been one of the number one or two top challenges since 2010. So it's something that is not a new problem and every business, I think, is, in, is encountering it. I think you're right. People are thinking, well, how do I keep coming up with new engaging content? You know, But I think if, if we go back to your early point, which is having a strategy and having a plan, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can rinse and repeat successful 
uh, and I, look, I, uh, you know, I, I do this myself and with some other clients where we rinse and repeat successful posts, but we reframe them. We give them a little bit of a spin. We maybe make them more relevant for six or 12 months down the track. And the audience doesn't mind that. They don't mind seeing the same great information being placed in front of them as long as it's not copy and paste. Exactly. And look, great information will always be great information. Like you say, if you can put a bit of a different spin on it or update it with a sort of a slightly different insight, then by all means, you know, leverage off that great content because, you know, if you spend so much time creating it and and, and get it, and then when you get it right, then definitely leverage off it again. You know, I, th- I think one of the big things uh, with, you know, publishing engaging content and is, is first of all, is to not be concerned with having to, uh, like one of a client I used to work with, they had this thing in their head that they had to publish three times a day. And, um, you know, I questioned them. I said, well, why three times a day? Oh, well, because we just need to be seen three <laughs> times a day. I was sort of forced into doing this, this process with them. And, of course, they didn't get very good results and people weren't engaging until I eventually was able to convince them, well, let, let's scale it back to once a day and focus more on quality rather than quantity. And guess what? Their engagement uh-huh. went up. I love it. <laughs> and they were click-throughs to their sites. So I think, you know, it's important Let's for people to not worry about, okay, we got to post X amount of times per day or per week, but think more in, in line of what sort of quality can I produce so that I'm going to get the best, best results. I love that. And this aligns with my point before about noise. There's just so much out there. It's like, you know, there's so much crap as well. And if it was quality, you'd be far more engaged. And if you've done the research too and you know who you're ordering at audiences and what they're looking for, where to find them is a big thing uh, because you need to work out where where are your audience hanging out and then work out how to deliver on that. So one of the things I love to do is, is on the how is to look, at, once you've found out where your audience is and you're very clear on who they are, find out what sort of uh, content they're already engaging in. What do they already respond to? So that's a bit of a competitive analysis. So you say, okay, okay well, they they seem to like this type of content and, you know, this is the kind of stuff they're sharing. These are the sorts of posts that they like to sort of comment and engage with and then create content like that, but obviously with your own spin and, you know, with your own brand branding on it. And look, one, way, one simple way to do that is to find another business that has the same clientele as you do and have a look at what people are, are engaging in. You know, again, it, it, this can be really, really overwhelming for many, many businesses, big or small, but you have to take the first steps. You have to put it out there and see what it is people would like to engage with, you know, and I've seen it multiple times where... People have started a social media strategy and, you know, they've, they've put themselves out there and they, you know, didn't necessarily get the response they wanted the first time and they become fearful. They want to tread carefully and it's like, no, be bold and, and, and get it out there and you, you will get results if you focus on it. Exactly. And I think the other thing is when you're doing that competitive analysis is to look at not just what people do engage with, but watch out for the things that they're not engaging with. So I think there's a bit of a trend these days that people go, okay, well, let's, we have to do quotes. Mm. You know, everyone's doing quotes, let's do quotes. So, you know, I think have a look and see, well, are quotes working in your industry? Are, are, are your audience really 
going to care about that or is there a different type of content? And there's so many different types of contents you can create. And I think, you know, when it comes to creating engaging content, mix it up a bit. So, you know, of course, we, we all know about blogs and, and, and memes and quotes, but then you've got infographics and videos and guides and reviews, case studies, podcasts, of course, ebooks. There's so, I mean, I could talk for probably 20 minutes on the different types of content you can create. So wow. be original. Um, don't go scraping content and just copying what everyone else is doing. Come up with your own stuff and, and mix it up. And what if people don't engage? Should you remove any posts that are potentially, you know, harmful, If like if people aren't engaging? Oh, look, I, I don't remove it. I think once it's there and if it's been there for a few days, you know, let's, let's just use Facebook, for example. I mean, as far as their algorithms are concerned, they've already made the decision. Yeah. <laughs> about whether or not that's and that's you know because as far as your edge rank is uh, is concerned that's going to affect it i guess if it was a complete if you've got a lot of engagement on 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 other pieces of content and then this one has been a complete mm. sort of data as such um then you might want to remove it but i don't tend to okay yeah good to know i've just i've been glued to this honestly uh thanks fiona you know it really is something that i think creates so much anxiety You know, even I get it sometimes. You know, what if I've done the right job? What if I've done the wrong job? So we're up to challenge number four. What's challenge number four, Fiona? Finding the resources to get it all done. So, you know, I think there's probably people listening to us right now thinking this is just so overwhelming. I've got to create a plan and a strategy and, a, you know, I've got to get all this engaging content with videos and how am I going to get it all done? So I think... What I've noticed is a lot of people go into overwhelm and shut down and just don't do anything. So let's talk a little bit about finding the resources to get it all done. First thing is first is that content marketing take does take a lot of time and specialization and you need a budget dedicated to it uh, if you are a micro business and and it's just it's just yourself and maybe one other person then just don't put too much pressure on yourself to create loads of content because it's just going to be too stressful just focus on doing you know one or two pieces when you can get to it but make them really really good if you want to publish content on a regular basis then you need to factor that in that you mm. need budget and you need to be able to dedicate that budget, whether it be to in-house or um, off-site teams to do that. How do you know if, uh, if that off-site team is good or not? Like, What would you use to measure them? Oh, look, well, I guess it comes back to, you know, whether they're getting the results that you're looking for, which we'll talk about in, in challenge number five. But <laughs> okay, cool. one of the things I think, one of the things I do notice with a lot of in, in-house, with a lot of businesses is they hire somebody in-house and then they expect them to be an expert in everything. So all of a sudden this person has to be a graphic designer and they need to be able to be, to be a developer and they need to be able to manage the CRM and also be an expert <laughs> copywriter and all of these things. And to be honest, the digital marketing is, and content marketing is such a specialised field these days. It's really quite stressful to expect one person to do it all. So whilst having an in-house person to do it, it's, there's a lot of positives in, in that. Just be wary that that person may have strengths in some areas, but is probably not going to be an expert in everything. I can imagine. And, you know, I'm sure in your team, you know, you do a particular role and then you have a a copywriter and then you have a designer and then you have all these other specialists that make up the whole team of a content marketing team. Is that right? I certainly do. And and I and that's the thing. Like I've got people who've got they've got experience, they've got degrees and qualifications in their area of specialty and that's what they excel in. And and I think from for that reason, if you can 
afford to have a team of people that uh, are working for you, whether that be in-house or whether you hire an agency to do that, then I think that's the way to go because you're going to get much better quality content. Yeah, and a lot of people think they can just, you know, go to Fiverr and, and get one person does it all, but there is no such thing as a super VA. They just don't exist. Yeah, and I, I do see a lot of businesses also, they're sort of scratching their heads wondering, well, do I do it in-house or do I hire an agency? And as I mentioned, there there's pros and cons to, for both. You know, because obviously some people say to me, you know, if I hire an agency and I get all these experts, but then I'm going to lose control of my brand and, you know, I'm not going to have that personalised voice that you'd have if you had someone working in-house. So if you can get the best of both worlds, and, and that's exactly the reason why I'm um, offering my services the way that I do, whereas we do the in-house and and the agency side of things so that businesses get the both, best of both worlds. But I think for business owners, decide what's going to be best for you, for your budget and for your circumstances. Killer tip. Yeah, nice. Challenge five? Are we up to challenge five, the last one? We are. And this is the big question you get from just about everyone, especially the management or the marketing managers, is how do we measure content marketing ROI? (laughs) That is tough, isn't it? It is a tough one. And look, there is no solid answer to it because I think think the thing we've got to realise these days is that, you know, Business comes via multiple touch points. So, you know, for example, somebody might hear about you uh, when they're at a conference and then the next minute they're on Facebook and they might see a blog post and read that. And then maybe later on they see an ad somewhere and perhaps somebody then refers you to them. So there's multiple touch points before somebody will actually take the step a lot of the time to make contact with you. So it's, it's never going to be a black and white situation where you can definitively say, okay, well, you know, these particular leads definitely came as a result from our, of our content marketing. But saying that, there are a few things you can do. So, for example, you could measure your organic traffic that comes through to your content marketing, so your, your blog posts, for example, and work out what that would have cost you if you'd been running an AdWords campaign. And that could give you a bit of a, a dollar value to the traffic that you got as a result of your content. Another thing you could do is on obviously once you get people to your site from your social platforms with your web design, if you're very clever, you can have some good uh, call to action throughout the blogs or perhaps in the sidebar, which lead people to whatever whatever it is you want them to do, whether it's be to opt in or to send them to one of your money pages to purchase a product. If you set up goals in Google Analytics and track those goals, then of course you can measure ROI to a certain degree with those types of things as well. You know, just on that, if you are sending, let's say your your content that you're putting out on social media media is related to a particular blog post, and then that actual blog post, you may have a content-specific upgrade to that blog post, which could be the measurable lead magnet success. Exactly. And then track that conversion from there. So, you know, when people are on social, they don't necessarily want to, and most often don't want to be sold to. They're there for entertainment, for information and to socialise. So if they come to your blog because you've got some sort of entertainment or information or education, and then whilst they're there, they see something which could further help them, then great, you know. But I think it's important not to be too salesy once when you're on on some social platforms in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, I, I hear businesses all the time say, "Oh, you know, if I could, if I could advertise like Coca-Cola or IBM, then you know we'd be huge." But yet, really, a good content marketing strategy, well implemented 
has the same essence. I mean, you know, Coca-Cola will uh, sponsor a major sports event. Right, and they don't necessarily get up there and say, you know, we're the sponsor of this event and we'll give you a bottle of Coke for $2.50 instead of $3, right? They just put their brand out there and they're seen to be delivering value as supporting that particular event, right? IBM, they might, you know, support a conference or sponsor a conference. They're doing it to get their brand out there and good quality content marketing Get your brand out there, you know, and and it's got a huge potential reach with this global market and the global social media platforms like never before. You know, people say, oh, well, how do I know if I'm going to get an ROI? Well, you know what? If all these big major brands are putting their brand out there and maybe their way of content marketing is sponsoring a major sporting event, right? If, if they're putting their brand out there, then there must be a return on investment because because, I mean, these companies are making huge profits day in, day out. I had this conversation with a client recently. You know, he's got a brand that uh, is going exceptionally well. It's getting great traction, better than he's ever had before. And, and this particular brand's been around for a while. And as far as we can tell, the only thing that he has done differently is he has published a whole heap of content around this children's product. You know, how-tos, instructions, videos, this kind of stuff. And and it is impacting on his sales. And, and I said to him, well, you just do more of that. And if your sales continue to go up, then you're on a winning strategy. Why stop? I love that. And you, you've just hit the nail on the head with that, Alan. It's it's exactly what it's all about. Content marketing is not about immediate results. It's 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 the marathon, not the sprint. And and like you say, it's about getting your brand out there, allowing people to get to know you, to trust you, so that they do want to do business with you. If you need immediate results, then I always recommend to go for AdWords or a paid campaign. But it's it's content marketing is there for the long haul. It's about building your brand. Here, here, I'm with you, Fiona. <laughs> awesome. And the nice thing is, is it's it stays. You know, your reputation grows. It, it this is not a one-shot wonder. It's something that as you build it, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger over yeah, time. Yeah, and also with the example that you gave, Al, one of the key things there was that your mate was being helpful with all these how-to videos, etc. And yeah, the more helpful you are, the you know, the more trust you're going to build. Absolutely. You know, provide value in your content marketing and I'll be damned if you don't get a response from it. I mean, if you're providing value and you're not getting a response, then you're definitely providing the wrong value to the wrong people. You've just got to fine tune it and, and get it headed in the right direction. Right. So that's been amazing, Fiona. Honestly, I've learned so much from this interview. Thank you so much. So where to from here? What, what do people, what should they do if they want to get started on this? Look, I think with anything is always to create some sort of action plan. And I always think five, three to five is a good number. So pick the top three to five things that you've heard today that you think you might want to implement within your business and then create a 90-day plan and list all the action steps required to achieve those top three to five things. And I think one of the biggest things from that is when you're writing your action steps is to work out who you need to connect with or what resources you need in order to help you implement it. Because there's no way that you can do all their content marketing on your own. You need to have the right tools, the right resources, and speak to the, the right people that can help you. So get your 90-day action plan put together with your top three to five, and then you can get started on, on your content That's marketing. That's cool. And if they need a hand with that plan, can like what's your website? Can they? How do they engage you for your services? Or where can they learn more? 
Yes, they come along to supersavvybusiness.com um, or just check me out on Facebook, Google my name, you'll find me. Um, I'm very easy to find Fiona Suter. Fantastic. That's been killer. And I bet you there's some I bet you there's some great content out there too. Oh, yep, yeah, there's pl- plenty of good content. YouTube, <laughs> and you find me just about everywhere. Thanks, Fiona. That's been absolutely unreal. I appreciate you coming on the show and... Uh, I look forward to catching up with you soon. And like Greg said at the beginning of the episode, you know, it's been a few years since since we've caught up. Yes, well, I, I will be planning to take a, uh, take a trip down Melbourne Way, so we'll probably catch up in person. Al's in Sydney. This way, you, you guys... Oh, you're in Sydney. <laughs> you guys should be seeing each other more often than we do, Fee, and I'm going to see you twice in three weeks. I know. All right. Well, you, Al, Al and you and I need to arrange to catch up then. <laughs> we do, we do. We'll, we'll definitely do it. All right, Greg, thank you, listener, for joining us today on The Real Magic, and we'll catch you on the next episode. You got it. If you have any comments, go to head to our blog, therealmagic.com. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Real Magic Podcast. Hear more at therealmagic.com. Dot com.